becoming you beyond deconstruction because deconstruction isn't the end goal living a vibrant soul aligned life is welcome back to becoming you beyond deconstruction in this episode we're going back again to the becoming series and we are talking to the reader husband and wife team Eric and Angela Reader, and they shared their story of going from on fire for the Lord, charismatic evangelical church planters to doing a 180 degree turn, which saw them leave it all behind, their old life and connections, and begin to follow and trust the path of their soul. This is such a brilliant conversation, and I can't wait to share it with you. I'll see you on the inside and if you want to connect with them you can find the links to their social media and their website on the episode notes. Without much further ado, I'm just going to ask if you could both introduce yourself briefly, and then we'll just take it from there, just really, really naturally, and see how this unfolds for us. Okay. Yeah, awesome. Well, Florence, thanks for having us. Uh, I'm Eric, and uh, I've been really enjoying getting to see and connect with you more and more. And it's definitely been for us quite a journey, myself quite a journey through um, obviously all of life uh, has its different aspects of journeys, but our faith walk, our spiritual walk, our uh, leadership, uh, our giving and serving into the world has uh, been through a lot of twists and turns, ups and downs, uh, uh, a lot of winning, a lot of not winning. Uh, And so we've been able to um, or myself at least have been able to, you know, find uh, find my way through some uh, all kinds of different thoughts, beliefs, faiths, understandings, uh, really over the years um, and over the decades at this point as the older that we get. Um, so excited to share into some of that uh, and um, hopefully connect and help others uh, in their journey. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. And and I'm Angela Reader, and I am really excited just to get to be a part of things with you, Florence, and to be able to share and add value for others. Um, One part of the journey that we have found is that when you start walking through life and things shift in a major way, you can end up having a lot of people that don't want to associate anymore. And you start finding that you're looking for new connections. And it is a very difficult process, but oh my goodness, so worth it because the connections that you find on the other side are so beautiful. So for us, I think those those transitions have taken place on everything from the faith journey, the spiritual journey, the parenting journey, um, how we relate with self, all of those things have just taken on so many different aspects and avenues of life. And it's opened doors to meet amazing people like you. So we're, we're really blessed by that. 
Yay. Thank you. I don't think Thank I meant you. to say that like that. That was old school me coming out right now. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean by that? Um, because saying, uh, we are really blessed by that. I said uh, it and I was like, wait, yeah. that's not me. Yeah. That's not me. Yeah. That's yeah. old wiring. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's really interesting how we can do that. I have to really be mindful of my words as well. You know, it's like, how do we sign off again? How do you kind of like end, yes. end a conversation for it to be kind of authentic? Um, but really kind of like show, you know, that you value, that you value that connection. So, yeah, so that's kind of, I think, a good place to start, don't you think? I, I mean, this kind of attention that we can have on the journey um, of becoming or unfolding, how have you seen that um, play out in your own life? Go ahead, you're doing a great job. <laughs> Well, right there, that's just making me think about at the beginning of, I mean, we were like, we weren't just Christians. We were like, you know, the really radical, the ones that would pack up and move and go across the country. And when the Lord led, you just did what he said. And the sacrifice and obedience was always 100% what you had to do. And it didn't matter emotionally or logically if anything made sense. And so that right there was just making me think about our move to Tampa, Florida. And I had a friend there whom I met through my workplace and she was agnostic and she and I just hit it off. We had the most beautiful relationship and she was just one of those people with no filter. And I can remember her being like, I really don't understand half of what you're saying <laughs> and being like, wow, we're this dissociated like we're this disconnected from the people around us by the verbiage that we even use oh, and yeah. um she because she's my friend like we had you know it wasn't called pack a few sunday but basically that kind of an idea where you want everybody to come to church with you that sunday we want the church yeah. building to be so full that sunday and she willingly came with me and oh my gosh to hear her take on everything afterwards was a very huge eye-opener for me mm. because it's one of those things when you are around a culture you just slowly are conditioned by the culture to where you don't even see how unrelatable you are mm -hmm. and how much vocabulary you're using that actually doesn't make sense to the everyday person. Yeah. yeah. And she had, she had like a whole list of words. She's like this, none of this even makes sense in today's world. Like, I don't even know what any of this would mean <laughs> for my life. And I was like, <laughs> how do you not know those words? Like you are like a really big heathen. Obviously no, I did. I loved her deeply and there is not any condemnation in any of that, but it was just so funny that I was like, yeah. how would one not know this language, this language and this lingo? Like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. But it was huge eye opener of just how much I, it was so inundated. Like that was just through and through. And then even having a huge breakaway from that ministry and then her really sharing her heart of the things she could see that were so unhealthy mm. in my life and in my decisions based upon what I was being taught and told there. I mean, Eric and I didn't get married until we had permission from the pastor that oh, we wow. served under. Yeah. We didn't move until we had permission from a pastor. We did like huge life decisions that we left in the hand of a man who really didn't oh. care. Oh gosh, oh, that is just so painful to listen to. Oh my goodness. Wow. Okay. So what were some of the words that she was like, oh my gosh, I mean, this really doesn't make sense. Can you remember? Does anything stick out? 
Man, that was a that was a long time ago. Long time at this, ago. this point, that was early early two thousands. I just know things like I can remember her being like, like who uses the word covenant anymore? Okay, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. we do, and redemption and salvation. Like, yeah. I mean, big keywords. Righteousness, for us. I think, probably. Righteousness right? for sure. Uh, of course, the blood. Right, that's a real yeah. interesting. Oh thing yeah. For, you yeah. know, this idea of the blood of Jesus, uh, kind of a thing covering you or cleansing you. Like when you haven't been raised in that, like Angela yeah. and I were maybe obviously many others where that was just commonplace, you know, language and conversation. Um, you, you know, it, it really doesn't, um, there's really zero context for somebody that hasn't yeah. really been raised in that. And, yeah. and even, even with, any kind of uh, faith or spirituality, there is a place that there in any uh, pathway or form um, of spirituality uh, or any kind of religion or belief structure, there's always going to be language within it. Language creates culture for all of us, whether that's national, whether that's, you know, race or whether that's religion, there's always language involved in all of it. And, um, and yet when we were, uh, I think our experience was being raised uh, over here in the in the United States, there's kind of sometimes uh, jokingly and sometimes with uh, pride something that they call the Bible Belt uh, through the United States, which is just kind of a real uh, stripe through our country that is really um, uh, really devout you know, evangelical Christian scenario and with a lot of um, with a lot of structure, a lot of regulations, a lot of, in, you know, indoctrinated mm -hmm. uh, beliefs. And we were, you know, we grew up and were raised right, um, you know, right in that, in a way that mm -hmm. uh, even people that weren't necessarily quote church goers or strong church attenders, maybe it's Christmas, maybe it's Easter, you know, holiday wise um, still lived within a, you know, general uh, evangelical Christian understanding. Um, and so it, it was, that was definitely an eye opener and a spot for us. Again, that was nearly 20 years ago at this point, um, that began to maybe started to be a little bit of a crack in our, uh, our mind, our thought process that caused us to, to step back a little bit and begin to question and begin to look a little further. We were there in Tampa planning a church uh, so it was, you know, breaking ground, building a church, connecting. We'd move there without knowing anyone. And so these kind of relationships, like Angela was mentioning, were really important to us, really valuable to us. And were some real feedback um, mm -hmm. for us that that allowed us to start looking at things like uh, may, maybe there's at least I don't want to say better or worse. That's not maybe not the point, but there was something that was uh, different that mm -hmm. we could begin to step into. And I think that that I think it probably really was kind of a real beginning point uh, for us that was like, yeah, I don't know that we want to do it that way. Mm. Um, and as, for us at that point would have been certainly still doing an evangelical Christian life, but we didn't want to do that. We didn't want to be that unassociatable. We didn't, I mean, we were trying to, you know, quote, build the church, right. Connect with people, bring them into the church, certainly bring them into a belief uh, in Jesus and Christianity and all of that. Um, and so it was, a, and we were trying to go at that from a quote relational angle. So we're trying to set up dinners and hang out with people and have mm. people over and go to restaurants. And I remember the, another part of that time period as well was, is where, again, our upbringing was, is alcohol was zero permitted. 
Um, you know, no one, uh, Angela and I didn't drink anything. Um, didn't have, and it was never around people that drank, didn't hang out with people that drank. So we would start taking some of these new friends, um, to, to connect with them. And we would go to a restaurant and they would just order a, a beer or a drink or a cocktail, whatever they're having. And the, the amount of uneasiness that it created was, was noticeable inside. I mean, we didn't make any issue with, mm. with it, with them, mm. but internally what it was like to feel so awkward to be sitting in a restaurant with alcohol on our table, uh, was, uh, it was, it was breathtaking at a certain, I mean, it was really like, I don't, I, we didn't know what to do. <laughs> so, so, so that's some of the, you know, and boy, I could go on for a long time on the level of wow. legalism and religious wow. uh, control that, that I was raised in even earlier and younger, you know, childhood uh, and so forth. It would take more than just this one uh, podcast <laughs> for that. Wow. For sure. but, wow. Uh, I mean, it sounds, it actually sounds quite horrific, to be honest. <laughs> I thought that, you know, my situation was, um, and, you know, everybody's situation is totally unique to them, but it does <clears throat> sound really stifling. Oh, for, for sure. I mean, it was a, you were looking, I don't remember not ever paying attention to whether this was going to be okay, not okay. How would this look to someone else? How would this mm. look, especially as a uh, Christian leader, minister, mm. pastor, whatever other title, you know, we at one point was even mm. ordained as an apostle, um, you know, all these different kind of titles within that framework uh, was then always about how you're being perceived, what kind of example you were, you're giving, right? And for us, for Angela and I in particular, this goes all the way back into junior high and high school, mm. uh, you know, preteen and teenage life that we were very uh, connected with God, but very um, uh, dedicated to those to those philosophies, those thoughts, those ways mm. of doing things like, you know, even... Um, we never even listened to non-Christian music growing up, like didn't even wow. own it. Like I never even turned on a radio station uh, growing up because uh, it, it could go on and on. I mean, I was raised with not being able to wear shorts in the summertime. Uh, certainly oh, wow. couldn't take my shirt off outside. Uh, it, you know, it was uh, very um, restrictive to the place that everything you tried to do or look to do was always having to pass through the filter of how is this going to be perceived by someone else? And would that represent quote, represent God? Well, mm -hmm. um, and you know, from the youngest of age, you know, all the way through our life, everything was filtered that way. Um, and oh, yeah, we gosh. just, um, I think we thought we were having fun. Like it wasn't like we we're sitting around necessarily begrudging that then mm -hmm. because it felt like that's how we were trained. Right. So it felt like that's just simply what you do. And in a lot of ways, well, we were sold out and set apart. And like, if you were good, right. You were good. Yeah, we were you know, so good. <laughs> you were good in comparison to everybody else. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know that necessarily never felt good and never felt like it was enough and never felt like we'd actually hit the mark. Yeah. So it's a, it seemed like to me, it was like a real prescription. If you can, if you can do enough of a through Z, it would then produce a life that we wanted to live. It would produce yeah. a life of stability. It would produce a life of peace and joy and impact. 
uh, yeah, and all the little <laughs> trigger words, right? But uh, you know, it would it would we could create um, something meaningful, some legacy, yeah. something lasting, you know. And that was the prescription we were given uh, in order to make a difference. Yeah, and, so it was the formula, right? Yeah, you know, you were yep. kind of like sold a formula to you know, like we've got now the um, prosperity gospel, you know, it's kind of you're given a formula. And if you feel that if you can hit all those prescriptions, like what you said, or as many as you can, then the output what is, even though they don't say it's guaranteed, there is this kind of idea that, you know, this is what you're going to get as a reward for doing X, Y, Z. And I know that this is something that we've spoken about before and I think for you correct me if I'm wrong it was kind of like one of the turning points when you thought that it wasn't you saw that it wasn't you know quite as straightforward as that is that correct or uh, yeah I mean it, 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 we definitely had probably you know at least in my mind three or four different real turning points mm. that you know after that church plant um, uh, situation that Angela was mentioning we we're telling those stories on uh, we ended up leaving that ministry out of a place of a spiritual crisis. Um, we didn't assess that as a crisis between like us and God per se, but we had, it was really spiritual abuse that we weren't even aware of that terminology. Then we were in our late twenties. Um, and so uh, we ended up leaving that and that set us on a course, you know, of a different direction that led us to some other great ministry connections, friendships that played out well for our life in that season and those times that uh, helped bring some different place of healing for us that put us on a course, really this kind of got us to where we are now. Mm. However, over those years through our thirties, uh, we had so many, um, so many ups and downs, so many falling on our face, so many trying and not getting there. We lived in very difficult financial situations for quite a long time. Um, you know, adding children into our lives, you know, at, creates a whole different dynamic um, and just different, um, really challenging um, experiences through life begin, at least for me to reveal that everything that we were given, there would be I don't want to, this isn't at all like, Hey, look at me or we did something great, but very much. So when it come to that formula that mm. you, that we were talking about a minute ago, there'd be, there wouldn't be very many people that really did check the boxes as mm. much as we did, like not as a, Hey, we're better is actually in a lot of ways. Hey, we didn't know any better. Um, <laughs> but the reality is, is that, 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 that formula, if you will, didn't produce what it said it would produce. Mm. Um, to, for, for people who had really given themselves to it. Um, and so that, you know, begins to begin, you create a, a place of reassessing. Mm -hmm. If my life was doing this check sheet as well, quote, or as at least dedicated to it as it was, and our life is not being of much difference than anyone else's that we're seeing. We all have our individual journeys or experiences, but we're having just as many crises. We're having just as many heartaches. We're having just as many financial problems, having just as many places of loss and brokenness and heartache. And those, it began to say, okay, so what's up here? Uh, and I actually even got into a crisis for the first time in my life in my mid thirties of, um, of depression and anxiety that began to uh, really begin to cripple me in ways that I just had never experienced uh, prior. 
and somewhat didn't know what to do with, except uh, coming to the place that I realized if I don't do something at that point, I was the only income earner Mm. in our home with four kids, which was not much uh, well below poverty line um, for a family of six. And and realize if I don't do something, we're, we're in a lot of trouble, uh, scenario. So, um, I just had, you know, to find a breakthrough within me that begin to dive into understanding how to create new mindsets, how to create a new inner working, uh, begin to completely adjust my internal framework, uh, my belief systems, my mindsets, my heart sets, uh, and begin to put in uh, some other practices that I had certainly been trained and told were, quote, not godly uh, or, you know, ungodly as far as the Christian angle would go. Um, begin to utilize those uh, and practices to heal inside and begin to see more healing and more progress and more growth at a quicker and stronger pace than I had for nearly three decades of, of living the formula that we were raised with. Um, So at a certain point, I had to start looking at some fruit, right? I had to start looking at um, what one one scenario is producing versus another. And uh, that definitely led us to ongoing growth in ways that uh, we don't at all feel like we have walked away from, um, walked away from what we felt internally as God connection our whole life. We just are not, having to be bound within one certain structure of that idea. Uh, And that kind of permission has allowed a lot of differences to flow in us that we have found to be healthier uh, for ourselves, for our relationship, our home, our parenting, our connections with others, et cetera. So uh, it's been, been quite a ride. Wow. I mean, that sounds, it's really beautiful, you know, and I can really, I can really see how, difficult that journey must have been and then to like as you said to put all of this all of your heart and soul and body into it you know thou shalt worship lords of god with all your might and all your strength and you know all that kind of stuff um and then and then to kind of go through these crisis points and then to make that decision and say, actually, something's not working for me here, to be brave enough to make that decision um, for yourself, for your family, for your life. Um, that's that's so beautiful and self-honoring. Um, do you, can you tell me a little bit more about that? What, what do you think enabled you to choose that as an option for yourself? Well, I think Angelo can share here. I, I won't take long with, with saying this, but it was it, it had deep challenges because our whole world was that that I mean, our whole income structure uh, as a uh, Christian leader minister uh, who was planting ministries, leading ministries, leading networks of other ministry leaders. That was our full source of income. It was our full relational circle. It was our full history. Mm. Um, it was our full identity. And so those steps really were us having to look at the openness and or willingness to let everything we knew of life dissolve and radically reemerge as something else. Mm. Um, and that's been, I don't know, and maybe Angela can say something to this. 
Um, but I don't know that it, that I can think back to like a specific moment where I was like, this is the decision we we're making. To me, it seems like it was a bit of a, um, uh, like a slow drip over many years hmm. that began to, I suppose, did have a breaking point, you know, maybe four or five years ago for me, maybe three, four years ago for Angela, um, that was like, yeah, this is not going to be the way we keep doing things. Hmm. Um, and so, um, I don't know, Angela, what do you, what do you think with that? I think back a lot to, um, the moments of the true transition starting and recognizing how much we were around people. I just feel like these are important parts of the past to recognize causing us to shift to a different future of watching how much of our circle spent time, um, in spiritual warfare, we were always looking for what the enemy was getting ready to do. We were watching the country fall apart. I mean, we spent months grieving over who had been elected as the political and political offices because of what we had now done to our children and how their lives would be forever ruined because of this. I mean, like just intense amounts of emotional um, heartache over these huge things. So we were losing perspective on life. Really. We Mm. were losing, even seeing a goodness of God. And so um, there was a huge part of just being aware of how much of my life do I really want to spend fighting something I can't see talking about the um, demonic activity or what kind of spiritual attack is taking place now. And like, just really recognizing how exhausting that was, how tired I was of fighting. I'm not, that's by nature, I'm not a fighter. And this was just every week. This is what your focus became. And it was exhausting. And then at the same time, part of that fight, of course, the attack on our political climate and the culture of our country mm-hmm. has a lot to do with even those, um, like for instance, just those like in the homosexual community and they were my friends. And mm-hmm. here I am, I'm supposed to be like warring against their um, infiltration into our culture. Right? And th- these things just were not resonating. That, that did mm-hmm. not sound like God. It did not sound like my creator. And I, I just couldn't, I couldn't fight against them. I loved them. I wanted the best for them. I wanted them to be free to love as well. And so actually having conversations with people who were struggling to feel accepted. And I'm like, that's all any of us want is to feel accepted. Mm-hmm. And so all of these things just, they weren't, they weren't resonating or connecting anymore. Mm-hmm. And I was realizing I, I can't keep living this way. It feels like it's in so much dissonance with who I am yeah. and what yeah. my heart is for these people. And there were small little things that we tested, which probably at the time didn't feel small at all, like no longer tithing. And like, would, Mm. would the enemy really come and devour every little bit we had if we weren't doing um, our tithe on the, on the regular and to recognize that we were able to see advancements financially that we'd never seen before in all of our decades of tithing to be able to see that we actually came out way better when we stopped tithing. So like, wait, that that formula is definitely a broken formula right there. Um, but a huge part of learning how to love your neighbor as yourself, if mm. you can't love self, you sure as heck can't love yeah. neighbor. Yeah. And yeah. so that began to be a huge, huge voice in my head constantly mm. saying, you don't love yourself. So how do you love your neighbor? Yeah. And so yeah. I, I wanted to learn how to love myself so I could be that acceptance for people that they were desperate for. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's that's really powerful, Angela. Thank you for that. You know, the the love yourself bit is so important, but I think you have to know yourself, right? And if you're kind of lost in this bubble um, where the focus is always on other people and what they're doing wrong and, you know, what they are not, then it becomes hard to know to know yourself, let alone love yourself. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, how you were able to begin to build up that self-knowing and self-love? I think interestingly enough that when I had heard, um, I had a coach that I had hired, hiring this coach for, from a business perspective, and he was just teaching about how to start using affirmations. Mm. And these affirmations were always some kind of an, I am statement. Well, we're familiar from our upbringing about an, I am statement, right? We know who the great I am is, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden I was supposed to be declaring these, I am things, but declaring them over myself. Yeah. And I feel like that was a huge shift for me to start understanding that this wasn't something outside that I was always waiting for someone, something to come and save or rescue or change things. Or if I cried out long enough, he would hear me and come and rescue. Mm. He, if I did enough, if I had enough faith, then he would make sure my children's future was right. Suddenly it became a very huge shift of recognizing I am, mm. I, I mm. am. Mm. And in that became, I, I first had to believe that there was even something that I am Mm. because before it had all been, I mean, less of me, more of him. Right. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) And so recognizing that I actually was, was perfectly made wonderfully made and that I can use these, I am statements to start believing in myself Mm. and to start stepping up within myself. That was a huge turning point in self-love and self-awareness. And from there, once you believe in yourself for better or for the ability or to actually have strength with self, Mm. you can start looking at a lot of those shadow places that maybe have been shame places previously Mm. because the Mm. shame will always hold us back. Mm. And so being able to look at those from a loving and graceful perspective, just like what we actually have been taught that God was being able to apply that to self and really say, wait, none of this is actually bad or shameful. It's just been the journey. It's just been a part of the process that needs love and acceptance, just like everything else. Yeah. Yeah. So you've come from this, like, what I would call deeply evangelical, maybe some people might say fundamentalist. I don't know whether you would use that term to describe it. I, obviously, I'm not American. Um, and I feel like the deconstruction movement, I feel like it has kind of started in the US. I'm not sure whether that's the case or not, but it feels like it's a very American thing. So hearing what you're saying to me now, it kind of makes sense in the sense that, you know, oh my gosh, you were under that? It sounds like you could be in North Korea or, you know, <laughs> you, you know, somewhere, you know, it just really, really does sound oppressive. So I know that you've kind of touched upon how you, um, it opened your eyes to maybe going in different directions, different spiritual practices and things like that. So what did you or what have you touched upon in order to get to where you are or where would you say that you are now and how did you how did you get here? 
Well, that's a long question. (laughs) (laughs) I think one of the most magical parts of where we are right now is that we are actually at a place where we don't have to know. Yeah. Because before it has always been about, do you know the truth? Are you seeking the truth? Mm. Are you the rightest of the truth? Like, is your theology better than my theology? Because this is what my theology said. And I bet mine's better than yours. And like, just having this constant need to have just the assurance of something. Yeah. And right now I'm just thoroughly enjoying the ability to just flow in an unknowing space which requires the greatest faith of all, right? Like, I don't know. And to be able to look at somebody and say, I don't know. I don't know what the greatest truth. All I know is is at this point, I want to be able to love and accept Mm. self and others. I want love to flow in through around about everything. Like, I just want it to be a, a place where there's grace and there's room and there's safe spaces for everyone to be 110% them. Mm-hmm. no judgment, no requirement, just be them. Yeah. And so um, to say that we've arrived at some place or where we stand now, I don't really ever want to stand somewhere. I just mm-hmm. kind of want to fly around in the place of love and not knowing um, because I think it's, I think we naturally as humans want to have some solid knowing. Yeah. 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 And so I kind of don't, <laughs> but that's just me. Yeah, and I think right. to your, I think to your point and what your, your whole passion behind this podcast on becoming, I think that's the, that's if there's a here, yeah. um, meaning here where we are now, it's in that, in exactly that it's yeah. in a becoming, yeah. uh, it's in a remembering it's yeah. in a, oh yeah, this is who I've always been. This is, yeah. the, this is the, the true me has always been the true me. Yeah. Yeah. I've never not been me. Yeah. It's been covered up with a lot covered of layers. Up. It's been yeah. covered up with a lot of pain. It's been covered up with a lot of traumas and wounds. It's been, uh, you know, covered up with a lot of training and indoctrinations and dogmas yeah. and pressures. Um, but un- unwinding all of that and pulling those layers off, it's the becoming of who I've always been yeah. uh, and yeah. who we've always been, who we showed up here, who we are when we arrived. As we were, Angela was saying earlier, the I am. Yeah. We are getting to live our I amness yeah. uh, increasingly. So the more that we um, uh, peel off the layers that want to distract, deceive, or disguise that. Um, and so that's, uh, Angela said it well, there's a lot of things that we don't know and that we're very okay with not knowing um, and maybe enjoy not knowing more than we used to enjoy thinking we did know. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I love that. That's, that's that's lovely yeah and there's definitely something about this unfolding this journey of unfolding you know the rediscovering the re-remembering um and you know I, I guess walking in that and seeing how it feels it's the discovery isn't it the discovery of self yeah, that's beautiful. Well, we we are of infinite source, right? We yeah. that's we we can't exist outside of that, and so that's the 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 same power that created uh, worlds and created universes is what's flowing through this, you know, what we call this physical body, and it has um, it has patterns that it's always been, mm. uh, and those are what is getting to what we're trying to increasingly allow to move more freely in us and move more freely through us mm. as the gateway of our mind either is letting in or letting out um, what is available to us. And it's yeah. that 
renewing of the mind, as uh, the Apostle Paul put well. Um, it's that transforming, that, that uh, metanoia as another, uh, you know, uh, Greek That's language no of, yeah, of changing your mind, yeah. uh, rethinking everything. It's even interesting to me, the, because uh, it probably would be what you said about our journey of fundamentalist evangelical Christianity. And for us, particularly for me, my entire life of that being from the spirit filled, charismatic, um, uh, you know, stream of that, um, you know, the idea of being born again is really a much better understanding of what that word means. Original language of John three is the idea of rethinking everything from the top down. It really doesn't have any context of this idea of a dead spirit mm. or a dead soul that gets to come to life mm. once you make a confession of faith. It's really the idea of rethinking everything. And so Jesus, as it, as it was told in that story, was telling this um, Pharisee, Nicodemus, if you want to connect into the, quote, kingdom of God, the flow of God, the reality of God, you're going to have to rethink everything from the top down. Yeah. And I yeah. feel like that's the journey that we've been on. We yeah. we maybe at one point thought we were born again in this moment of prayer when we were kids. But I think we've been being born again, 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 again. Uh, and that's been uh, that's been a thr- that's the thrill that we're enjoying. Yeah, you've just kind of reminded me of something, actually. I, I, when I wake up in the morning, I, I like to, when I get a chance, and my two-year-old allows me to, to just um, see what pops up again in, in my mind from when I've been sleeping. And one of the things that um, came up for me was this, was kind of linked to what you're saying here, um, our body knows how to heal itself you know our cells are constantly healing themselves and you know replacing themselves and um with our mind we tend to hold on to stuff so kind of with like this the renewing being born again allowing those dead mental cells to go away and be replaced by new ones um, so that we're constantly, constantly, constantly um, growing, developing, being in the, in the right mind, whatever that means. I definitely, I definitely see, see that just at one point in time, everything is just new. You've gotten rid of all the old and you're just left with like brand new um, thoughts that allow you to move forwards. Yeah, that's yeah. And we have amazing studies, uh, you know, now and understanding now in our, you know, in our current, uh, our current day, you know, that you maybe even be able to speak to more and know more. But, you know, the the whole understanding of epigenetics and the ability for our brain to actually renew itself, reform Mm -hmm. itself, uh, it's continual. um, Well, and and. uh, and neuroplasticity was what I was trying to get at. Maybe I said epigenetics a minute ago, but neuroplasticity uh, with the ability of our mind still being mm. formable, moldable, it's not concrete. It doesn't solidify. It's yeah. always in the process and journey of renewing. Mm. Um, and the the practices behind that, or there's multiple different kinds of practices to, to move our mind um, to new places. And I think the more that we're doing that, 
you know, in our lifetime of, of at this point, 30, you know, I quote, became a born again Christian when I was eight years old. So, uh, you know, I'm towards 35 years uh, worth of that uh, understanding. Um, I think all along the way, when I look back over my life from my teen years to my 20s to my 30s and now my 40s, there's been major shifts of understandings and beliefs that I've left behind Mm. from what I held previously all through those decades. Uh, And and would imagine that my 50s, 60s and on, I'll still be leaving behind stuff that maybe I even understand now or perceive now or embrace now. Maybe five, 10 years from now, I won't have anything to do with that either. Uh, I think that because I want to continue to become. Yeah. I want to be in this yeah. process of becoming, as you're saying. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, we'll yeah. see how it goes. Yeah, that's that's really beautiful. Thank you for that. Um, I'm just aware of time. I did have a question, but it's kind of gone out of it's kind of gone out of my mind now. Is there anything that you would like to anything else that you would like to to add? I think for our journey, it is showed us that there is so much available for us as humans Mm. when we drop the requirements that we Mm. demand everybody Mm. do it our way or see it our way or be like we are, Mm. um, meaning whoever we are. Um, And when, when we can allow ourselves for us to be more and more of who we really are, trusting that that gives the permission um, for anyone and everyone else to become who they are without it having to be our way. I think, um, I think that does something beautiful that, uh, more and more humanity is stepping into and what that will bring forth in the, uh, generations and millennia ahead of us, I think can be so much healthier than what we've experienced in the past. So, uh, that's the kind of thing that's encouraging to me and exciting to me that, it doesn't have to be my way. I'm not trying to make it my way. I'm not trying to evangelize you mm-hmm. into my way. Mm-hmm. Um, I get to enjoy me and enjoy what I see and share it. And if that gives into someone and serves into someone else's life, then that's thrilling. Um, and remaining open to receive in from wherever. I remember uh, reading the book Velvet Elvis by Rob Bell back in the early 2000s. Uh, where he said any truth seeker should be okay to find truth anywhere. Mm. And that's been a really strong place um, for us is to see that there is truthfulness available in so many places and it's enjoyable to seek that out. Yeah. I love that so much. Um, I know that there is a lot of fear within Christianity. There's probably a lot of fear in many kind of you know um religions that have very strict ways of doing things i think even if you were to um, maybe look at um some kind of new age uh um uh new age i don't know what to call them i don't know if i call them religions but you know um practices or, or groups that meet there's probably i perceive some of that fear as well just in a slightly different way to Christianity Um, and I feel that where there are very strict rules it does kind of it stops you from being that 
I am and stops you from discover who, discovering that in other people. It causes that separation. So, yeah, I'm really happy that um, you've been able to shine your light for others because, you know, that's how I was able to come across the both of you. And um, it's brought us to this point now. So, yeah, long story short. <laughs> <laughs> It's very, very good. You know, it makes me think about the word uh, eternity. That It's interesting. The book of Ecclesiastes has this cool verse. It says that God put eternity within the hearts of, yeah. of humans. Yeah. And the word eternity, I think, has been misrepresented by this idea of timelessness, yeah. when we should really perhaps perceive it more uh, helpful to perceive it as boundlessness. Uh, and anytime yeah. humans find themselves having bondage or restrictions or constraints around us, we very quickly see what happens. It, we begin to become unhealthy yeah. because from the from our very inception, there is an eternal, there is an everlasting boundlessness mm. within all of our souls. Mm. And the more that we allow ourselves to step into that, meaning remove the restrictions and yeah. the restraints and the ceilings and the bondages, the more that boundlessness flows yeah. through relationships and love and impact and finances and healing and wholeness, yeah. that boundlessness or abundance gets to move in all kinds of, of Oh my gosh, ways. I just love that so much. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just so love we, that so much. We, we are boundless uh, is something much more powerful than just timeless. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah. I feel like the binding really happens, oh, well, it happens for a number of reasons, but I feel like control definitely is there. there. Um, and with control is manipulation, but it also creates blindness to your own power, to your own potential, and um, just really recognizing, I mean, we use the words I am, but they, they don't really do justice, do they? I mean, they're just words, you know, and, and it's great that we can connect with it, but probably if we were to just like sit with it for a little bit, our mind would just go, you know, it's just like, you know, what does this literally mean? But I feel like that's why this becoming aspect is so important. For me, when I kind of received this word, of becoming it was because for me it was actually kind of a reaction against the the be do have paradigm that I was hearing a lot of in the in the coaching world and it kind of felt forced and inauthentic from the from the top down like this is what I want to have and therefore in order to have this this is what this is who I need to to be whereas you know all of these things that we are naturally attract and create all the things that we desire to have and do and we do not have to try and put another box around that because this is the way that we've been conditioned this is what success looks like or this is what my life needs to look at like or this is what my relationships need to look like but tapping into that self-knowing and that self-love and feeling like it is safe for us to be who we are and allowing us to bring what only we can bring into the world is such a powerful and beautiful space to exist in. 
Uh, completely. I'm excited to begin to put some stuff together to offer through what I do that's going to help us see um, really the different kind of phases that we can live in in our development in a way that helps move us from a place of resisting to the place of creating to the place of attracting, ultimately to the place of radiating because that's uh, to, yeah. it is sourcing from within that is our truest nature. And I determined that I wasn't going to trade, as you said a minute ago, trade one box for another box. I wasn't going to trade one check sheet for another check sheet. Um, and I suppose we probably all do in a certain way, uh, but I constantly want to have my mind set on, uh, as you said, becoming right. and, um, and really living a life that is radiating and sourcing more than trying to attract. And a lot of coaching aspects and angles right now is simply existing on an attraction level versus right. a radiating level. Right. And I think there's a, a further place that we get to go or can go in living our boundlessness. That's not just about attracting, but is actually just about becoming, as you say, right. and as radiating from the uh, and sourcing what is actually already in us. Thank you so much. I really hope that you've enjoyed today's episode. If you want to connect with me and continue the conversation, then you can go to my website, becomingbeyonddeconstruction.com. And if you're interested in supporting the work, then please feel free to buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash living from soul. My name is Florence Okwasogu, and I'll see you on the next episode of Becoming You Beyond Deconstruction. Thank you.